0: Welcome to The Journey of a Singer with me, your host, Nick Pritchard. This is the podcast where we dive into the fascinating and unique journeys of those individuals within the creative industry. In today's podcast, I've taken it right back to where I started my journey as a singer on the streets of London. Our guest is one of London's most formidable street musicians, Charlotte Campbell. Street busking gave me some great tools and opportunities, but Charlotte has taken it to another level. In this episode, we debunk some busking myths and understand how Charlotte has forged a successful career as an independent artist from the ancient art of busking in London. Often found busking along the River Thames and in London's busiest train stations, Charlotte's street performances have led to sold out shows in London and slots on Cornbury, Henley and Glastonbury Festival. Charlotte has released her music independently In 2021, her original songs were featured on ITV's Love Island, along with her cover of The Killers' Mr. Brightside. She is a playlisted artist in every UK Café Nero, and her singles have gained attention from BBC Introducing. So sit back and enjoy the journey of a singer with today's guest, Charlotte Campbell. Okay, we're rolling. Charlotte Campbell. Hello. Welcome. Welcome Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. It's been a while since I've seen
1: you. Yeah, it has, yeah.
0: I would say... Over two years maybe?
1: No. Really? God, time is flying. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> it must be a while. I wanted to kick this off by talking about when we first met, because I think I told you this story once, but I don't, I don't know if you remember it.
1: I don't remember, I must say.
0: So the story is this, and uh, this was about three and a half years ago, it was pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. and I was busking at the South Bank, which is one of your most known spots. Everyone knows Charlotte Campbell by the London Eye <laughs> at the South Bank. And I was having a bit of um, a down a day. And I was just kind of a bit down. And I remember sitting by the bench waiting to go on because you have like a queue and busking and you've got to wait your turn. And you were before me and we hadn't met before. And I was sitting there and I remember it so vividly. You were singing Streets of London, which is and still is my favourite song of yours.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And... I, it just completely changed my day. It went from being like a down a day to suddenly it was one of the first times where I had a real appreciation of what music can do for people.
1: That is so nice to hear. Mm. Thank you so much.
0: Because sometimes I think when you're singing you d- and you get in the routine of it and it can become a job and you don't fully appreciate what it's doing to other people. And, mm. and that was the first time for me where I was like, wow, this completely changed my day and I loved it. And that was the first time that we met down
1: wow. by the river. Oh, that's so nice. What a, what a nice story. Thank you so much. I feel so honoured to have uh, brightened your day like that. So yeah. that's great.
0: And I, re- I remember it so so vividly. Um, so thank you, thank oh, you for that wow. moment.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks. I well, wish it, I remembered. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> uh, that's really great. That is, I, I really appreciate that because I think that's really what i aim to do with my music is to is to bring some warmth to people's lives and to to brighten their day so
0: and it it has that way of getting through to people doesn't it music it's Mm. it's a bit of a mystery it's unknown there's no real science behind why why how how is that working how does that Mm. like connect to you in such a way Um, yeah why don't you tell us a bit about your journey where you started how you got into the busking and and kind of what you developed from there
1: well okay i feel like it's really long so we've got time it's really boring and And it's like so let's start when i was three but like i I mean it does it really does i think that i mean i think a lot of musicians have that like it's music is it's your life usually and it starts from a young age like a love of music So I um, my family's very into like musical theatre So that was a big thing in our family that we were always singing and my grandparents were always singing and my parents So yeah musical theatre is kind of how I started and I would join like a, a Amateur dramatics thing when I was really young and so I was doing shows and things like that all the time and then long story short always doing those things. I actually did a West End show when I was 10. Yeah, I was at uh, the London Palladium in Chitty Bang Bang. And I loved that. And I really wanted to be on the West End. But as I got older, I, my singing was really my strong point, And my acting was weak. And my dancing was even weaker. <laughs> and with, you know, with West End performances, you kind of have to be a triple threat. And I was not. <laughs> so uh, when I was a teenager, my mum said, why don't you take up an instrument so that you can sing and play and you don't have to move on stage and you don't need to be in you know in shows you could be an artist and you know write your own songs so yeah so she bought me a guitar when i was a teenager started doing that then i went to the brit school when i was 16 i got into uh, to study music at the brit school which is like a london-based music college that has produced some great artists like adele and uh, amy winehouse and a couple of other people so It was quite prestigious, quite exciting, went there. um, And uh, then after that, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to pursue music because I'd realized from being there that prior to going there, I'd always been kind of like uh, like big fish, small pond. You know, when you go to a normal school and everybody, no one's musical, you're the musical one. And then when you go and surround yourself with other musical people, you suddenly are the small fish in a big pond. And it just made me think, oh, I don't know if I want this. So I ended up doing an English degree when I went to university. But I really missed having music as the centre of my life. So after that, I started busking. And that is kind of where my, my busking career began.
0: What, what age were you when you started busking? 22. 22. Mm. So you just finished with uni. Had yeah. Did you finish your degree then? Yeah, then... I
1: finished my English degree. I I I was I went to Southampton. I moved back to London. And yeah, I, uh, I just start, started busking mostly because a lot of my friends had moved away. So I moved back to London. I felt a bit lonely and a bit lost. Yeah. So... I started to do it to try and meet new people. I thought I might meet some other musicians, meet, you know, people who were walking by and, you know, get strike up conversations about music. And I just thought it would be a great way to share my music with people and, and connect. And that's, that's why I started.
0: And at the time, did you think it was going to be more of a long term thing? Did you have a plan with it? Or was Not
1: it? at all. No, it was kind of just the thing I was going to do for the summer, actually, because I was going to go and do a teaching degree. So this was like in the summer in between, I thought I'll just do this to try and, you know, maybe make a bit of money, maybe make some friends, maybe make some connections. And um, yeah, and then I ended up, I entered a competition for buskers that summer and I won a scholarship to study music at the Institute of Contemporary Music. So I I didn't do the teaching degree and I went and back to uni and, and did a songwriting degree at ICMP. And so I I won that. So I got to do that, which was a real honour. And then, yeah, and then so while I was doing that, uh, on the side, I was always busking and, and still playing and gigging, and yeah, so it kind of gave it bought me a little bit of time to figure out what I was doing with busking, and uh, I ended up just doing it full time and making it my my full time thing.
0: I've got so many I've got so many questions mm. where we can we can branch into, but at the time when you started busking, did you think that it was going to be financially viable? Were you aware that it, it was possible to
1: No, do? I, I wasn't. I really wasn't. And, I, you know, it sounds so like, sound, you know, it probably sounds like a lie, but I really didn't think about the money. It was, it was genuinely, wanted to share my music with people. And, you know, I, I was, I had CDs and I was giving them away for free. I was saying, just take, take them. I don't, you know, I wasn't, I really wasn't trying to make any money. But, and I was also working in a pub. So I would busk in the day and then I would pack up my stuff and go and pour pints in the evening and it wasn't until I started to do the maths on it, I realised that I was making more money in the day busking than I was at my pub job, that I thought, oh, there is something in this. Like, if I, if I play my cards right, I could, I could make a living from doing this.
0: It's funny because um, what, what you're saying is really relatable. It's exact, exactly what I did when mm. I finished university. And it's a slightly different story, but I, I was also doing, like, waiting work. And I figured hour per hour that the busking was way better. And
1: Mm.
0: I think it's fair to say that there's a misconception about buskers. Definitely, yeah. Also, how much they earn, what they do. Part of that, would you agree, comes from A, the varying levels of buskers. So you do get some, like yourself, at the top end. You can make a living out of this and you can make a music career out of it. Mm. And then right at the other end, you can literally have homeless people that are playing very badly an instrument and expecting people to throw loose change in um do you want to you want to kind of talk about the difference here because yeah there
1: i is... mean I th- and also non-homeless people who are just very poor poor you know don't have any musical skill <laughs> you know I, I think that uh yeah i think there is a misconception that like buskers are homeless or and but, but you know i think the art of busking didn't start as something for homeless people to do it it like dates back I've done like lots of research into like how it dates back and and how in London you know like there's sort of like minstrels and you know people who would kind of go out and and you know uh, entertain people and like strike up a stage in on the streets and create a show people and people would would want to show their appreciation with financially so uh yeah it's uh it but for some reason it does always get linked to spare change and therefore people who are like not even playing instruments but just begging or you know um trying to sell illegal things on on the street for overpriced <laughs> you yeah. know like it, it gets muddled i think because because i mean i'm I don't know why. Uh, well, like I guess I do, <laughs> but you know, uh, it's a shame. But I can understand the thought process, and, and my aim is really to just b- prove that it's not that, and uh, and kind of put on a show that makes people realise that this is not somebody begging for change, or you know, desperate for money. This is someone trying to share something, and if you appreciate it, you can you can uh, contribute, but you don't have to, you know.
0: I, I saw a great quote that you put at the start of your music video. Mm. For um, Streets of London, I'll just read it's it. It's Amanda out. Palmer. Yeah, yeah I'll yeah. read it here because mm. I think that that ties in nicely to mm. what you're saying there. Um, so the quote is: "I think people have been obsessed with the wrong question, which is how do we make people pay for music. What if we started asking how do we let people pay for music?" Amanda Palmer.
1: I feel like that is like an ethos of, that I've tried to carry through with my with my music. Is is that yeah that the music industry is really strange at the moment because of the way with streaming and, and things like that. And, and people don't sort of value music in the same way that they used to when they would like buy a CD, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to pay for music. They just want to pay for it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And for me, busking is giving them that opportunity mm-hmm. to pay for it. And yeah, I really like that it's optional, that you can watch the show and not pay for it. Or if you did like it, you can show your appreciation.
0: And on that note, there's now different ways that you can you can donate, tip, pay for Busker's performances, so you've, yeah, you've got the card reader. Yep, and yeah. has that been a game changer for you?
1: Yeah, it has. It really, really has. So yeah, I um, I've got. I use a. I'm not a sponsor, but I will, I will well, Maybe I won't say the name of it, so don't, yeah, you don't have to cut it or anything. But yeah, I use a, a card reader, so uh, I can take contactless payments, um, and I also have a QR code as well that people have been using. I feel like when I first got the card reader, especially in 2017, people were genuinely laughing at me. (laughs) People were like pointing and laughing. But since the pandemic, people are using it Mm -hmm. so much more. I would say pre-pandemic, it was probably 20% of my tips were on card. Mm -hmm. And now it's like 50%. 50, 50. Yeah.
0: Does it change? Because are you still predominantly doing By the London Eye? Because that is like yeah what we associate you with
1: yeah yeah i Um, love that spot so i usually play on the south bank under the london eye and it's just it's lovely it's you know it's very touristy but it's also very family friendly and it's also quite romantic so you get all all different types of people walking along there and i really like that because i like to play a really vast repertoire of things so you know kids songs and romantic songs and love songs and popular songs and yeah so i really like that spot um But I also play, I play on the tubes as well. So I do a lot uh, on the London Underground, but I would say London is really my thing. (laughs) It's really my base of uh, of what I do, yeah.
0: And it comes across like, you're genuinely passionate about the busking. Yeah. In terms of your brand, and even, even so far as like on your website and how you advertise and portray yourself, it comes across that you really enjoy what you do yeah. Obviously, because it's music and, and you, you love the music, but also the busking element of it that you, you definitely really enjoy. And it, it's, it's interesting because I don't know there's many other buskers that have been able to create such a strong brand and image and career that, that revolves so well around busking. Mm. I know a lot of buskers that try and, and sort of use the busking and then they, they want to do more of something else and they want to move on, or they want to do something different. But for you, I feel like you've really capitalised on that brand, mm. and, and people love it. People love yeah, yeah you as that South Bank singer, which is what they think of when they see your CDs and and
1: yeah, yeah. And I'm really proud of that actually, because you know it's it's quite an iconic part of London, You're like around the London Eye and the South Bank, and to be part of people's experience of London and like when they think of the South Bank, they think of me. Is like. I'm really pleased <laughs> that that's happened and it wasn't really something that I thought about. I didn't think, Oh, this is, it's funny cause it, it is my brand. You're right. It, it really is. But it's, it feels funny to say that cause I think what people like about seeing me there is, is that it's quite stripped down. You know, there, there's, you can't really hide behind much when you're busking. So there's an authenticity to that and to people seeing you live and just seeing you play the guitar and sing and that, that is it. That's everything that they, you know, there's, you know, you're not hiding behind anything. So, I think then to, for it to be my brand almost feels like it takes some of the authenticity away, but it, you know, it has become a big part of, of me and my identity as a musician. Um, and I guess what I feel mostly for that is just a gratitude to it and what it's brought into my life and how, it's, how I've been able to make a living from that.
0: Mm. I've, I've heard a lot of buskers say that the best fans are from the busking. Yeah, well. yeah. And you've been able to cultivate a great fan base from that.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, I've I've built uh, quite a fan base online um, and then, you know, that does translate to uh, streams and, 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 like, following me on social media and coming to gigs away from the South Bank, which is what I intend. And I think, yeah, when I first started as well, uh, as well as not realising that it would become such a big part of me and my musical journey, um, I mostly wanted to share my music so that, you know, people would follow me and then maybe come to my gigs elsewhere. And then I slowly the gig started to become the South Bank itself and I started to post when I was there rather than posting mm. oh I'm going to be playing a gig this weekend I will I often will put like pretty much every day post I'm on the South Bank today at this time and people will come especially mm. to see me there which is That's quite really cool good. so it's like a, a show of its own I'm doing like a yeah. gig every single day that people can come to
0: no it's, yeah. it's very it's impressive how you've you've managed to do that and um and like you say now when you put on a show elsewhere you've got that audience that have already been following you and Mm. are committed to following you
1: yeah they know my songs and things which is like the best feeling in the world yeah
0: so with um with your live shows and with your playlist stuff Mm. are you um is that something that you want to push more into or is the the plan ahead are you going to use the busking as the main focus still
1: oh yeah that's so that's what i was trying to say i got really muddled in what i was trying to say but yeah i think basically i thought that the busking would be a great way to a stepping stone towards something better and i didn't realize how much i would love busking itself and actually really enjoy doing it and actually sometimes enjoy it more than playing a gig or it being in the studio um and recording and stuff like that so i yeah it kind of has become something that i don't want to give up it's like i don't want it to be a stepping stone so that like one day I don't have to do it anymore because I, I genuinely enjoy it so much. I love I, doing it.
0: I know I can completely yeah. relate to that. I, yeah. I think the way to describe it for me was I, I've never felt so free. Yeah. It's, it's that you're standing in the middle of London, people, hundreds, thousands of people are going past you and you feel so free. You don't have anyone telling mm. you what to do. You can't sing this song. You've got to do it like this. You've got to, you don't have a... a the the manager sitting in the corner, the agent, the the PR company, all these people trying to mould you into something. You can be as authentically you as as you like. Um, And that's something that I I often miss that element of it. Um, It used Mm -hmm. to be my primary form of income at one point, and Mm -hmm. I haven't bussed for like, probably since we last saw each other, maybe like two years, two and a half years. Really? Wow. And um, that is something that definitely... Mm. it's just such a free experience it
1: is yeah yeah
0: would you would you recommend it to someone that wants to get into the music industry how would they start what would they go about doing
1: i don't know it's a funny thing because i think um as well as some of the negative connotations of, of busking uh from just like the general public there's also a little bit of a negative connotation sometimes in the music industry i have heard from like people you know industry people kind of being like I don't know that turning their nose up a bit at busking or kind of seeing it as like, if you've put yourself out there in that way, then maybe that you're not sort of cut out for the music industry as I don't know if, I don't know why it is. I don't know if slightly it's because like, if you're going to get signed or something like that, they want somebody that they can mold. And I think if you're the sort of person that goes out and busks, maybe you're not like that moldable, you know, you've sort of found your own freedom. And in that sense, maybe you're not uh -hmm. like cut out for for a major label but that's i mean that's definitely not the case for lots of there are lots of buskers who've gone on to Mm -hmm. do major labels but i think i've realized that i love being an indie artist and i kind of prefer to to, uh to do everything independently and i just forgot what your question was Well, (laughs) back
0: back to the song streets of london oh yeah that kind of relates to what you're saying there is there's a there's a line i get lonely i get cold But i never sell my soul Mm. is that a sort of nod to you saying that you want to stay indie and even if yeah i mean have you been approached by record companies
1: when i was um younger there was definitely like an interest and then it just very much faded away and 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 it didn't uh i didn't maybe i didn't pursue it enough or it just yeah it just didn't really happen for me and you get to a point i think where you think am i still trying to get a manager am i trying to get a a record label and i realized after a while of releasing my own music that i really wasn't i was really happy Mm -hmm. with with how i am but yeah that that line i think at the time more so it was uh about uh the fact that when you're when you're busking and you probably get this all the time people always come up and ask you why you don't go on britain's got talent or the x factor or the voice and you know no disrespect to those shows because they they have produced some great stuff but i think there's also yeah it's also there's an in authentic kind of uh, shroud around them that I just think mm, maybe it's not not for me so mm. I think it, at the time because it was a long time ago I wrote that song actually and I think it was more so about that eight years ago yeah, years ago. <laughs> it was, yeah.
0: Um, I noticed that on that song on the YouTube video
1: mm.
0: it's eight years old and somebody had commented a couple of weeks ago they'd, they'd written a nice comment and you'd replied to that comment and I just thought that is such a Charlotte Campbell thing of <laughs> Whenever the music industry seems to change, you always seem to be on it. And a good example was during the pandemic when, you know, everyone in this industry kind of lost most of their income from live shows. And you were one of the first to jump straight onto Twitch and, (laughs) and really hit home with that. And it seems to be that over all of your social media channels that you're really consistent and you're doing everything that, a musician should do in terms of what they tell you to do and in terms of how you should be doing it. Um, I noticed that uh, you're not as active on TikTok. Is that is there a reason for that? Is that something you want to get into? Um,
1: yeah, I just sometimes I feel a bit like I really enjoy TikTok as a consumer. Yeah. Too much actually. <laughs> My screen time, you don't even want to know. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think sometimes I don't really know with TikTok what I'm doing. Um, Because I feel like with YouTube, I had like a regular thing where I used to upload every single week. I've not been as consistent recently. Um, But yeah, I I used to have a sort of thing. I'd, you know, put my originals and my covers and and even just like chatty videos on YouTube. With TikTok, it just, it feels like it's like the Wild West out there. (laughs) I just don't really know what I'm doing. So I I think when I first started my TikTok, I also had like a viral video um, early on in my TikTok, um, a video of me busking and kind of. Having, we had a little bit of a street party basically. It got a little bit of a crowd and we got a really lovely sing along and it was a really lovely, true moment. And someone videoed it, I put it on TikTok and it got like three million views or something like that, which blew my mind. And then after that, I I don't know if I was chasing that, but I I felt like I wanted everything that I uploaded to TikTok to Mm -hmm. be like intentional and kind Mm -hmm. of have like a little bit more thought behind it than some of my other social media where I do just, I'm, striving to be consistent and put things up all the time and not necessarily put quality (laughs) like i wanted it yeah i wanted it to be yeah so i think it was that and then because of that i think i overthink tiktok and i don't want to put anything up there that isn't quite right and then i just don't upload anything (laughs) so uh, yeah i am a bit uh, i'm a bit slow on the tiktok
0: have you you pinned that video that viral one
1: i think so because you can
0: pin it to the top yeah people it's kind of the first thing they see
1: yeah i think i have let me yeah
0: because i look No,
1: I haven't. Oh yes, I have. No, it's pinned. Yeah, it's
0: pinned. The strategy for me is is kind of the opposite Mm -hmm. of like I'm worried, like you're saying about TikTok. You want people to see the the best bits kind of thing. For me on my Instagram, I'm like, oh no, I can't post me just chatting into the camera because if someone's gonna book me that I want them to see my best bits. Mm -hmm. But on TikTok, I just I, I basically Throw shit at the wall. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, something and that does
1: seem to work on TikTok. Yeah. It does seem to be, yeah.
0: But no one really, really knows. The algorithm keeps changing. TikTok keeps trying to implement new things, mm. and they are also using the same strategy. They are throwing stuff at the wall, and hoping that maybe it might be the new thing, like store Instagram stories. They're hoping that something might work, and every other week they seem to be adding a new feature where they say, mm. do this and it might not catch on so it's a it is a real wild west absolutely yeah
1: it is so yeah i just think i haven't quite got my head around it yet whereas like all the other ones i've kind of figured out what i'm doing and then it and i think i do quite similar things on all my social media so I was kind of aware of that, that like maybe it's a bit boring to like follow me on, if you follow me on Facebook and you follow me on Instagram, you're going to see the same posts. And I kind of wanted my TikTok to be like a bit of a curveball, like you might see something a bit different. So worth a follow. Um, but yeah, uh, I definitely, I've got some ideas for TikTok um, and then I just don't uh, do them yet. <laughs> I've got some ideas about, well, I wanted to share more of my original music on TikTok as well. That is something I, I, I aim for.
0: And is that something you're focusing on a lot at the moment with the new EP, the originals, and, and without glancing over the EP, wanted to say you've done amazing with your covers as well thank you so much the radio plays the playlists
1: yeah thank you very much uh yeah um so yeah i I mean i've always been really passionate about songwriting as well um as as the busking and i i write lots of songs about busking as well so i feel like i sort of tell my story through my songwriting and i really like that's something i really enjoy doing and uh so yeah so i released an ep on the 9th of february and that's some original songs i actually recorded during the lockdown so i've just kind of been Uh, sitting on them for a bit. And I was like, I'm going to finally put them out. Um, And yeah, I also recorded some covers um, because I had a song played on Love Island in 2021. um, And that was from Busking, actually. The the guy... um, who does, chooses the music for Love Island at ITV, uh, saw me busking and came and asked if I had any covers online that he could listen to, if they would fit. And I gave him a card and he went away and, and came back and said he was going to use one of my covers. So, yeah. And then I reached out to him again for the last series just to say, thanks again for playing my, my cover in 2021. And he also actually used two of my originals as well, which was great. Um, and uh, yeah, just to say, like, is there any chance you know that you'd, that you'd use another track and he was like yeah send me them and then I realized that like, I didn't have them <laughs> <Just sort> of, <laughs> I was just trying to try to network I guess and see what you said and he was like yeah absolutely just send them over so then I, I recorded some covers um and managed to get them uh recorded and, and released and and then uh yeah he they used um one of my recent covers which uh, came out last week uh, on the mo- on the most recent season of Love Island as well. So that's also helped with playlisting for some of my covers for Love Island playlists and, and various other ones.
0: You're you're a regular now.
1: I am, yeah. Like, yeah. You're, you're the go-to. <laughs> yeah, we, and yeah. um,
0: I remember when your Mr. Brightside came onto Love Island, and that was a big moment for you. Yeah. And I remember you sharing it on social media. Mm. There was a bit of, I want to say, ag
1: that yep. went along with that
0: as well. <laughs> yeah. And I specifically remember... Having a chat over social media about a certain BBC Mm. presenter, who we shall name—yeah, Greg James.
1: No, Nick Grimshaw. Nick Grimshaw, wrong one. Mm. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Nick Grimshaw. And I I, won't—I won't won't go into sort of like having a go at Nick Grimshaw, but it was just unnecessary.
1: Yeah, I I think people have gotten really good at just. Tweeting things for the sake of it and not really thinking about the fact that there might be someone behind it. And yeah, so I think he, I think, you know, in his defense, not to give him too much defense, but I think he, I think he sort of tweeted something kind of thinking this will be, this is a funny thing to say. And it's also, you know, maybe what other people, other people react to this. So this will be, this will be funny and not really considering that that's somebody's song that you're tweeting about. Yeah.
0: So as a bit of background, you were playlisted for your, cover on Mm -hmm. Mr. Brightside on Love Island yeah and Nick Grimshaw posted a tweet which was disrespectful to your cover
1: yeah well he was not he wasn't a fan what can you know he wasn't a fan can't please them all
0: (laughs) um and I I guess everyone's entitled to opinions Mm. and freedom of speech and all of that sort of thing but as a guy that was a radio presenter that was a promoter for sort of all these different
1: yeah it was was crushing for me it was really crushing yeah it was you know obviously, as an artist, and I, you know I, I I don't really chase the mainstream, but obviously, as an artist, you'd really like to be have some approval from Radio One and then to get a radio one dJ with two million uh, followers tweeting that your song makes him want to vomit <laughs> it was like it was pretty harsh it was pretty harsh so yeah and
0: and what what were you feeling during that period of time
1: well it was it was sad really i I, I feel sad to think about it because i was so excited you know like I felt like this is the biggest moment in my career I was like the, like no no and maybe that you know to some people I'm silly but to me it was like huge and it, it felt like something that I'd worked for and it'd come through busking which I love so much so it felt like I felt really vindicated in what I was doing and I felt really proud of myself and I was so excited and I was excited for people to hear it and I was like hoping that pe- I might get some new fans and people might like it and then to have that and it kind of just created a bit of a pylon on where other people were then tweeting me saying that they hated it you know people who hadn't even watched Love Island had like gone to listen to it specifically which in both ways I did also get some nice people who were like I don't watch Love Island but I saw this whole thing about your song so I went to listen to it and then like people so i had a couple of people that used the song for their first dance like uh, like a couple of people said the same thing that they that was a song that was important to them but they didn't know how to incorporate it into their wedding and then this like new version of it which was like soft and with a piano was like perfect for like their first dance and stuff like that so that's that was a really positive thing to come from it and i think it it gave the song a lot more attention than you it would if it it just been played and no one had noticed it so to find the positives in it, the fact that he tweeted that also gained me a lot of positive attention, but it definitely brought a lot of negative.
0: Firstly, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> it's a great song, and you covered it really nicely. Thank you. And it deserved to be on Love Island. Um, it is, it's It's a shame. It's kind of like that bittersweet moment, it sounds like, from from, mm. from your feelings and that point of view. But there's the old adage that there's no no, no yeah bad, no
1: pressures yeah no no publicity is bad publicity yeah, yeah. And i
0: remember chatting to you about that over instagram mm. and just sending a few messages just to try and give a bit of support that um it, i think it drew a lot of attention to that song
1: yeah it did yeah definitely
0: and and in a way that overall at the time you're thinking oh this is terrible yeah but overall mm. it's probably probably done you more good
1: Uh, no absolutely yeah it really has yeah in the moment i did have some really lovely messages from you and and other fellow musicians and musicians that i didn't even know um that like just saying hey i saw all this stuff and i just want to say like i liked the song and that it was you know really unnecessary (laughs) for this like to to spiral in the way that it has and uh yeah so uh, yeah it it gave me a lot of faith in humanity obviously in some ways it it made me think like people are horrible because people were really vile but like they then, you know, actually, lots of people were really lovely, and and I think I've, I I want to take that away from it rather than the negative.
0: One thing I've noticed is that if something gets enough attention, regardless of what it is, even if it's like totally neutral and there's nothing odd about it, if it gets enough attention, there will be people jumping on there because they've got nothing else to do, or somebody says something mean and, and they want to jump in on that bandwagon. Mm. And back to the TikTok thing. I, I noticed if a video got over a hundred thousand views, regardless of what it was about, you would just get that kind of attention.
1: Definitely, yeah. It's it's so you're so right. I think like and people, I don't know why because I love to love things, but a lot of people really love to hate things, mm. and they like to find the thing in, about it that they don't like. And yeah, you're so right. The more the more attention it gets, it just brings it brings out the the bad in people for some reason. Mm. Yeah,
0: it's a shame. It's a shame. Mm. I, but um. Usually the case is that any kind of hater is either jealous or they're, they want to be where you are. They want their song played on radio. Yeah. Mm. They wish that they were a songwriter. They wish that they're probably in a job that they don't particularly enjoy. And they wish that they could be doing what you're doing and have the freedom to...
1: Yeah, they wish that they dared to do it themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. so so true.
0: Do you feel like you're following your passion your dream? you feel like where you are, are where you want to be?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I And I think... Sometimes I think, because I'm a busker, and obviously it has the connotations and things like that, I think a lot of people might think it's silly of me to say, but I literally am living the dream. I am living the dream. I just get to make music every day. I get to share it with people. I get to sing, which I think is so... I don't know what it is about singing, and you're, you're a singer as well. It's like it like lifts you it lifts your mood to to sing and uh yeah and so to get to do that every day I just feel so light like I just feel like I'm just having a great day every day and yes. that's a great, like, that it's not something that everybody has unfortunately and and so I feel really lucky
0: mm. no, I couldn't agree more mm. it's uh it's the best job in the world <laughs> yeah it is yeah <laughs> um that that cathartic feeling after mm. after you finish singing and knowing that you've brightened up your you're you're spreading some positive energy mm. and it, it's really kind of bouncing straight back at you
1: yeah yeah it is yeah
0: i want to talk about we, we couldn't have you on this podcast without mm. talking about your dashingly handsome boyfriend oh, fiance, yeah husband. husband yeah i got
1: yeah i'm married now um, yeah connor yes he really wanted to come today, by the way, but he didn't, he's gone back to Liverpool, so he couldn't. So, yeah, he was absolutely gutted because he's a big fan of yours as well. So I was, yeah.
0: I was half hoping he would be here.
1: Yeah, no, but... he was so gutted to not be here, honestly. <laughs> we'll have
0: to get him on.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, you should, yeah.
0: I wanted to ask, are there any songs that you write about your husband, Connor?
1: Yes, so, yeah, I released an EP uh, in 2021, and it's got two songs, actually, that are about him. There's one called Thanks to You, and it's just about, it's actually a song that I wrote in the first like two weeks of of meeting him just that like f- like it was and it was it was a song actually about how my life is already great <laughs> and then somehow you've made it even better and that's and it's so it's all thanks to you and that's what that's about and i've got another song called on your side which is the title of my ep that came out in 2121 and uh yeah that is about sort of it was about the lockdown and about how it was a tough time for everybody and no matter what decisions i made or what i what we were, both of us went through we always had each other's back and it was like i was i'm always on your side whatever you choose whatever you decide whatever you do next i'm with you and i'm totally on your side and i feel like we have that support for for each other and cuz he's a musician as well so uh, yeah it's you know it's it, like it's a rocky journey sometimes and to have that where you know that you've you've always got each other that uh, is what that song's about yeah
0: that is really nice thank Good. you <laughs> it often goes one or two ways with um if you're dating somebody in the industry, mm. then there's, there's some. Some people say never date anyone in the industry. Some people say, oh, you know, you've got to get date someone in the industry because they're the only ones that understand.
1: Yeah, and that was that was always my rule. I was like, I don't want to be with a musician. Like they're, you know, egotistical, unreliable. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, you know, I like don't want to be with a musician. But when we, because Connor and I actually, this is like too much about information, but I'll tell you. Connor and I actually met, like. 11, 12 years ago, more than that. We met in 2009. I don't even know how long ago that was now. But we were both musicians. He was in a band and I was a solo artist as supporting his band. And uh, we met, but we, we didn't uh, get together until years later. So uh, we just, we stayed in touch. He actually used to ring me every single day on the day that we met over the years. That, uh, and then we ended up meeting up in London because he's from Liverpool. We met up in London like years later and we just hit it off and then we've been together ever since. So um, what was my point? yeah when, I, when we got together he wasn't doing music full time he was actually uh, an ice cream man and children's entertainer in uh, in Liverpool and he moved down to London and got a job uh, managing an ice cream parlour which uh, so I was like it's great because I don't want to date a musician and he's an ice cream man so that's, that's perfect and it was perfect as well because an ice cream man and a busker actually make a really good pairing because we're both busy on a sa- sunny Saturday <laughs> we're both busy doing our jobs and on a rainy Tuesday you know he's not selling much ice cream and I'm not doing much busking so that worked for our schedules but he's also a really talented musician and singer and so uh over the years he's like started to get more and more gigs and started to develop his own kind of uh craft of what he does and how he entertains a crowd and uh he's just really it's really taken off for him uh, especially in the last year and he's just incredibly sought after busy talented wonderful <laughs> and uh, yeah so uh and i feel like even though I didn't want to date a musician, he sort of tricked me because he was initially an ice cream man. Uh, actually, it does work really well dating a, a fellow musician. He does really understand me and really get what I'm about and why I do things and what my motivation is and, and what drives me. And so we actually are really well suited. And, and I'm glad that I've ended up with, with a musician, even if that was not my intention.
0: <laughs> you are very well suited. Yeah. He? He is, um, he's a lovely guy. And he's a great entertainer. Yeah. As well, I think he's got he's got that skill to really entertain people and engage with people. Mm. Um, not just not just the singing as well. It's, it's, it's his performance that he puts on.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's a showman. He's a showman. Yeah, he is. He is a showman. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but mm. yeah, I'm really pleased with you guys. Thank and, you. Uh, Congratulations.
1: Thanks and so much.
0: I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him soon. Send him my, my, best, I will, I will. my best regards. Yeah. It's a shame, yeah. shame we couldn't have him here. Yeah, he'd,
1: be good. yeah he'd love to come on the, on the podcast sometime, honestly, yeah. he's got a lot to say. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I've often wondered with songwriting, if it's a skill that you can learn and how much of it is the inspiration of being in the moment. And the reason I wonder this is because you get some 17 year olds who make some amazing songs and those are like their best hits and then they get to the age of whatever they're still writing and they're not writing as well as they did when they're 17 and and you would think that with a skill the more you practice it the more you do the better you're going to get but with songwriting it's a strange one where it's relevant to what's happening in your life it's relevant to your life experience but it's also very inspirational so what are your thoughts on it?
1: That's, so, that's such a good question because i think i think you're right I think the raw talent and the vulnerability of writing before you know what you're really doing is like unmatchable and um I think then when you craft it and it, a lot of people do say that like songwriting is a muscle and that you know the more you do it, the better you get at it and i think that, I think there's a bit of both, but I think what it comes down to mostly for the reason that some of the best songs are written by people who aren't you know established songwriters is the self-awareness and the vulnerability that if you write something and you put it out there and people like it, then you're like, oh, wow, that, that's a surprise. Whereas if you've written songs before, you've put them out, you've, you've crafted it, you start to think, oh, and that would be a really nice songwriting technique there you know like i'm gonna i'm gonna implement some of the structure that i that i understand and then it starts to i mean it comes back to again like something that i always heart back to but like authenticity and i think you can't fake that Mm. and the more self-awareness that you have about what you're doing the the less you're going to be able to be honest and the more you know that people will hear it the less you can be honest
0: do you think your songwriting has gotten better as you've written more songs over the years
1: i think yeah i think it's two different things i i do think that some of the early songs that i wrote for some reason are some of my better songs and i i don't know why because i've literally studied songwriting at this point (laughs) but for some reason it does yeah i i don't know i there's definitely more self-awareness um which i'm trying to like get rid of so it's actually the last ep that i just put out is a bit more vulnerable and I wrote about things that I've been trying to write about for a long time but kind of feel like I don't want to talk about publicly and then I think no, I I would like to because I want to be able to write about that and it's something that I've kind of kept to myself and and first of all, I think it would make for a good song (laughs) but also it's something that people might relate to and it would be powerful for them to be able to hear a song that, you know, that's what people want is to be able to relate to something and yeah, hear their own stories being told.
0: And on mm-hmm. on your EP, the latest one, the last song on there is Chapters,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which talks about kind of going back to going back. That's exactly
1: yeah. What well, I when
0: you're what well, what what is that period in life that you're referring to? I though? think
1: back to when I started making music, and the reason I started it because um, when I first, even when I first started busking, but I was writing before that. I um. I wasn't really on social media that much. Like, I did maybe YouTube, but I didn't really care about how many subscribers I had or anything like that. And then I feel like since there's more and more social media out there, the numbers have become such a central part of it that I have found that I've enjoyed putting music out less and less because I've thought... Mm oh, it's, it's depressing to put it out and then it not reach because algorithms are blocking it or, you know, or if you're honest, maybe it's just not good enough and that's a really scary thing and um, I used to just write music and as I say, like, I didn't think about who it was going to reach and who it was going to touch and and who it was potentially going to impact. And so to have that too much awareness around my songwriting is I think something that's made me a worse songwriter. And so that's kind of what that song is about. Uh, It's called Chapters and it's about uh, yeah putting all of my stories into into my albums and maybe having too much focus on the numbers and social media and how it's going to be perceived and not just being honest. Do you
0: find also that as an artist, you're you're no longer just a singer-songwriter you have, you've got to be
1: a businesswoman a yeah an accountant social media manager yeah everything yeah. everything
0: do you do you have a manager do you have an agent no totally independent yeah yeah so when uh, a booking comes through people are chatting to you directly yeah and i guess that's nice for them because they know that it's very personable yeah and they they can feel like they're chatting directly to the artist mm. and would is that something you want to continue to stay completely independent, no agent manager?
1: I think management is something I would be interested in. Mm. I think uh, it would be helpful to just not feel like I'm juggling everything. And, you know, I'm a bit of a control freak. And I think for a long time, I just thought, no, I, I want to be in charge of how it's all done and maybe got some like bitterness or jadedness from the music industry and was like, kind of enjoyed the power of being independent. But I've realised now that there is an element of like maybe you're just not that good at. You don't have to be good at everything, you know. I, I, you know, it, it's helpful to understand how they all processes work and things like that. But actually, getting an expert in who actually knows about, you know. Uh, booking venues in different cities and things like that would be quite useful, you know. And it, there's, yeah, is that
0: the main thing that? You, so, t- in terms of what you'd want to gain from getting mm. a manager, it, it would be, would it be more on the touring side of things?
1: Yeah, I love playing live. I actually really don't enjoy recording. I love songwriting but i I find recording very uh too too uh, introspective i I don't really like looking back at what I'm doing I, I like to just move forward so I think live performance is what I'm most passionate about and what I enjoy and I think a lot of the time live performance and live music is what connects with people the most and so that's what i what I strive for so yeah I would like like a booking agent or, or management that could help me with that I think it's something I would be interested in
0: well, hopefully someone sees yeah, this <laughs> Um, specifically a touring manager then would be kind of of the best thing. Yeah. Because they've got good expertise in knowing certain venues and you know how many people you're gonna bring in certain areas. Like Mm. you know that if you do a show in Manchester you're gonna bring a certain amount, if you do a show in London, you'll bring a certain amount. Yeah. And they'll know okay, this venue's perfect.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's the sort of thing that I just don't have the knowledge on. And I, you know, I want to have the complete control over everything, but you have to admit, sometimes it's not your area mm. of expertise and maybe someone else would, would know better.
0: Yeah, it's outsourcing the bits yeah. that, that you're not as good at and, and kind of being honest with yourself and saying, well, maybe I'm not as good at, at this than I am at other things. And there's different examples, like Oprah is famous for kind of doing a lot of it on her own mm. and being very successful at doing that um but yeah in terms of like a business strategy outsourcing is is a way of like expanding quite quickly isn't it
1: yeah absolutely yeah
0: because it's a business what i I always view the product as us so charlotte Mm. campbell is my product you've got your brand and ultimately it's a business and you've got to market yourself like a business you've got to find the right people to make that business work and um and ultimately you're selling your product, which is your music. Yeah. Mm. So what can we expect to see from you in the coming months? What's in well, the, the pipeline?
1: We um, started hosting monthly songwriter nights in a place uh, in Waterloo called Topolsky. So the first Wednesday of every month, I'm hosting uh, songwriters rounds, which is like where you get three songwriters on stage at once and you kind of all Tell your stories and you sing one song at a time and, and kind of go around and uh you know relate to each other and have conversations surrounding songwriting as well as playing the songs nice. and, so yeah
0: and can anyone come to that is yes that, that
1: is yeah that, so that's the first ones every month uh it's uh five pounds on the door yeah. and uh yeah it's a really nice atmosphere and just like really uh intimate and cozy and relaxed
0: i've got another question are you still are, are, have you still got that bike
1: yeah yeah
0: are you getting around with it? is that, have you got the trailer? yeah bike and the trailer so yeah
1: i I carry all of my busking equipment on on this bike and trailer because I just you know like lugging equipment around in london is is a real hassle, and I was just finding that it was really yeah it was it, all of mostly the the wheels would break when i anything that I had any trolleys that I had they would always end up breaking, and I was just getting annoyed with that so i yeah I got a bike and a trailer and I sort of uh, cart around London on that Very yeah. Smart. yeah yeah.
0: I remember when uh, when I was busking, at the, I was living with my parents in Guildford. I'd have to get a bus from the house to the station, then get the train from the station to Waterloo, then go from Waterloo to wherever it was, let's say Covent Garden, I'd have to get, I'd either walk it up and then when you've finished a whole long day of doing that, coming back, yeah, it, the thought of doing that, it was so tiring. Mm. It was really tiring. So the way... In which you transport your stuff is, is so important
1: as yeah well. it is yeah and that's that i think i realized that something that was putting me off busking i was started there was a couple of times you know i did it for a while and then i started to think oh i'm 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 not enjoying this as much and i don't i try to figure out why and any sort of problem i guess like you're always you know trying to find a solution and I, re- I realized that i wasn't enjoying it and i was like i know that i love it once i'm there but i just hate going and i hate coming back so i, I looked into it and actually found like a storage facility so like you can uh, store your equipment in uh, in waterloo so i actually store in waterloo and then uh yeah i over over time i've just built up and now i've got this bike and trailer thing so i can uh, scoot Fantastic. about
0: <laughs> i um when i first started i wasn't particularly doing it for the money like yourself but then i started to see people making good money mm. really good money i remember my friend cam violin player and i used to watch people go past and just be like chucking notes in Mm. And he'd be selling his CDs and they'd be chucking notes. And I sort of made friends with him, got chatting. And this guy would like, his life was traveling around the world, busking, staying in any hotel he wanted, all that kind of thing. And then I started chatting to more of the buskers. And it turns out, especially back in the day, you could make some serious money. And I know people that have bought several houses in London. Obviously the price of the houses mm. back then was different, but they bought houses from Incredible. Busking. I know people that rent in central London thousands of pounds a month Mm. from, from doing it. And part of it is also not letting on how much you're earning. (laughs) I remember I would start with notes in the tin in a see-through glass tin. So people could Mm. see, okay, he's accepting notes and Mm -hmm. the psychology of, I'm not, I'm not particularly interested in like 5p, 10p. I appreciate everything you get, but Mm -hmm. in terms of the monetary value, notes is where we're at. Yeah. And then mm. what I would do is I would start taking out the notes because I didn't want people walking past
1: me. He's like, got enough. Yeah. Hold on
0: a minute. Like,
1: uh, mm.
0: uh, this is meant to be some kind of uh, pastime. Some people don't realise it's a full-time gig. And mm. um, and I was astonished by how much some people were making from from just
1: busking on mm. the streets. Yeah. Yeah, some people make good money. <laughs> and But there's also, like there's there's a lot of psychology to it like that like you you know you want people to know that you take notes but you don't want them to see that you've got mm. too many already you know there's lots of little things like that and lots of people find that different things work for them that doesn't work for someone else and there's lots of language you can use surrounding it as well and you know i think some of the obviously in Covent Garden you get a lot of like circle acts mm. and they they're really good at sort of cheeky little lines about money i find talking about the money quite difficult and, and I know that I could make more money if I was better at sort of saying and you can put some money in if you want <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just don't I don't know how to sort of articulate it in uh, a way I and, and I think the reason I don't and people have said to me why don't you say at the end of your show thanks for listening you know my guitar case is there and I I know that I would make more money but I think because I've built this sort of brand and I, I want what I'm doing to be true I want, I want, pe- I want to let people. I don't mm. want to ask people. For, yeah. for, so, um but yeah, I know, I know that I probably could make more money if I was a bit savvier. But uh, there's yeah. a fine line,
0: isn't there? And it's, exactly. it's a very, very personal preference. Personally, I find it too much. Those circle acts, I think it's
1: they, they really do the hard sell. Hard sell, don't they? Yeah. yeah. It's,
0: it's, it, to me, it's distasteful. And
1: mm. but I, I think they get away with it yeah. because they're it sort of in character. Whereas yeah. I think when you're a singer. You're a little bit. You're a little bit less in character. A little bit more. Uh, yeah. You know yourself. Yeah.
0: And um, another one is with with the introduction of these card readers. I would always basically make it optional. Mm. So who you can put whatever you want in there and, and type in the amount. I know a lot of people have like a set tap and tip situation. Yeah. Is what, what do you
1: go for? I have the tap and tip. I would love for it to be optional, but just the system that I use mm. doesn't really... It means that I'd have to... Cause I, also, because I'm playing guitar, no, I'd have to stop playing, so I kind of have to have it set up for a certain amount. Um, mm. Yeah, it, I'm I'm waiting for the day that they make it a system where people can type in the amount they want to give. But for now, yeah, I do have a, a set yeah. uh, set amount.
0: It's a, there's a lot of psychology to it. Oh, yeah, a loads. Yeah,
1: There have been some great opportunities that have arisen... Um, Can you tell us some
0: of that? What what sort of things have you...
1: Um, so I, well, obviously I got, uh, I played on Love Island, which is from busking. Um, I also got flown, I've been flown to a couple of different countries. Uh, I went out to Ohio and Nashville uh, to play some shows in in America. Um, and uh, I've also done Germany tours, which people have, have booked me for through seeing me busking. Um, Germany, Austria, Switzerland. I played in a castle in Austria. A guy saw me busking and, and asked if I would come to his hometown to play in uh, in this place called Berg. Kaprun and I was like okay yeah I'll, I'll come yeah why not and then it turns out Berg means castle <laughs> in German and uh, so that was really amazing that was that was a great gig uh yeah um I've been out to Malaysia played a wedding in Malaysia from someone that saw me busking um yeah I've uh, I've seen the world through uh, through the streets of London so that's Have been great. Have busked
0: in other countries as well? Yeah, yeah I
1: did busking in Switzerland uh in Germany I got arrested in Germany busking with an amp yeah I uh I didn't know that you couldn't use an amp in uh, in Frankfurt. And I, uh, yeah, the police came and I thought they'd just slap. In, I feel like in London, if you do it wrong, anything wrong, mm. it's just a slap on the wrist in terms of busking. But uh, yeah, I thought I'd get a slap on the wrist, but I got uh, uh, taken to the police station. Really? And uh, some of my equipment confiscated and a warning. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so it was a bit scary. The German police were unforgiving. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's a pretty cool story.
1: That. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, rock and roll, so... Mm.
0: I'm fantastic and I, I noticed that you did used to do like a life of a busker type vlog thing. Yeah, actually.
1: yeah.
0: Is that something you might consider?
1: Yeah, I like would. It? I I would. I think again with sort of TikTok I'd like to do that sort of thing on TikTok and uh, yeah, I just I just haven't really. I don't I mm. I don't know why. I think a lot of the opportunities that have come my way from busking have started to get in the way of busking. So I've started to mm. get become so busy with other opportunities which I'm obviously so grateful for that I haven't I still have time for busking but I don't have time to document it in the same way that I that I once did because I used to be the only thing I did was busking so then in my spare time I would you know set up my camera, or edit videos and things like that, that were about what I do. And now I feel like I'm either busking, or I'm gigging somewhere else, or I'm sleeping <laughs> or drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's a good life. It's yeah, a, it's it great. is a great life. I'm I can't complain at all. Yeah, but definitely my some of my social media content sort of failed, fallen by the wayside, which I know like now social media is even more important than it once was. But I think also some of the joy for me has gone from social media. I don't know what if it, it's just become a, like a bit more clickbaity and people are a bit more like, you won't believe what... And I I just that yeah again always always going back to the authenticity but it feels like that it, it's not there for me so much it doesn't yeah. feel like quite as authentic and i know that i need to play into that you won't believe what happened yeah. next and i just don't want to do it and therefore it kind of has taken away some of the excitement for me from creating content for social media which i hope that to regain but i just i just need to i'm sort of i'm sort. i feel like i'm just observing at the moment and i'm going to yeah. kind of dip back in when i when i feel like i know where my, what my place is on social media because it's changed so much even in the last like two three years
0: yeah you're totally right mm. I, I think that that authenticity because of the format certainly tiktok which arguably is the biggest platform right now mm. it is so clickbaity and you have a very short amount of time to grab the attention of yeah. someone and i'm so guilty of it like the thing with but t-
1: your your tiktok content is great you know you you think? yeah really good yeah. i
0: i i honestly just kind of make it up as i go mm. and there are times where i'm like I'm just gonna say this and see what happens. Whereas on Instagram, I would be too afraid, based mm. on what people genuinely based on what people would think of me, if I posted all this stuff on Instagram. Whereas with TikTok, I actually don't care, and I think that there's that people kind of are okay with that. I mm. think they look at TikTok as like a uh, they can see oh he's just trying to like find how it works. Whereas they don't seem to respect that if you put it on Instagram.
1: I think you're right, and I do think actually you're probably quite right to do that because I think. Instagram I feel is a little bit more of a portfolio of what you're doing and to send out to like to get gigs and things like that it is a little bit more like yeah Mm. what what people might um might might discover you and might you know on a more professional level whereas like yeah TikTok isn't that so I don't know why I treat TikTok like it needs to be a sort of Mm. portfolio because it's it's definitely not because people very rarely go to a profile on TikTok it's all for you page. so yeah yeah
0: yeah. and I, I often find that to be honest no one that follows me genuinely is like scrolling through my f- account it tends to be the for you page it just pops up on the for you page and
1: yeah it,
0: that gave me a lot of reassurance to do what you want because it's only going to be new people and and the people that yeah follow that's you,
1: true that's such a that's such a good way to look at it sorry people that follow yeah, you yeah the people yeah. that follow you
0: are are gonna do that based on what they've seen on the for you page really yeah um so yeah i'm going wild with it i'm just gonna See, see I love what, that see for you. that's great. But this kind of format with the cameras and, and chatting to mm. people seems to be working
1: really well. Oh yeah, I mean it comes up all the time on my you mm. page. I, I love to look, hear little snippets of, of podcasts, especially because my attention span, very poor. Yeah. So it's nice to just get a little snippet.
0: But also, <laughs> as a performer, you've also got to be quite confident. I mean, especially to something like busking. If you can do busking, you can do anything. Because yeah. you're literally setting up something in the middle of the street with thousands of random people who are going to be judging you Mm -hmm. if you can do that you can do anything yeah you do have to have confidence and how would you say that your confidence over the years has changed
1: it's funny because i really don't consider myself a confident person and i know like people will find that shocking with and even i think people i know would would be like surprised but i in social situations i'm very shy and i'm i i'm unsure of myself um but yeah like like we've said previously about busking it something about busking makes me feel very free and I think I'm I'm not so worried about people's judgments and, and and things like that because I just know that I'm happy and and most people that make a lot of judgments are not happy <laughs> so yeah um but, but in terms of my confidence I don't know I think it's, it's definitely it has grown my confidence and I think it's also given me a bit of identity so I feel like I've I know myself and I know who I am and, and what I'm doing. And so it's... Uh yeah, for some, I, I never thought that it would, but it's, it's given me a lot of conversation. It's given me lots of things to talk about, which I think is a great thing in, in confidence, because I think if you feel like you've got nothing to say and you haven't got anything of value to add, then, uh, yeah, it can sort of make you feel low, low confident. But I've, I, yeah, kind of, uh, oh, I've always got lots to say because I've, I've seen a lot, you know, on the streets of London. And, and has
0: that changed over time or are you pretty much the same as you were when you started at 22?
1: No, I think I am the same. Yeah, I think I've stayed quite true to my myself over, over the years. Um, definitely grown wiser. I'm not so naive, but uh, yeah, in terms of my confidence, yeah, I think I'm. I think I had to, the the biggest confidence I ever had to do was not is not to start every single day go out and busk, but that first day that you go out busking. I think she must have been a confident girl that yeah. 22 year old because I don't know if now <laughs> I could uh, I could do that.
0: Like just back, going back to the naivety thing that you were saying about the songwriting.
1: And the awareness, the self-awareness. Maybe at 22 I just didn't have the self-awareness to think about what people would think.
0: You've got nothing to lose. Yeah. There's, yeah. No, there's nothing more dangerous than someone that's got nothing to
1: lose. Yeah. If you, if you
0: do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's really nice to see how, how far you've come as well. Yeah, thank you? you. I mean, we've known each other for three in a bit years. Maybe. Yeah. And, and as with most people in your life, you're not seeing them on a day-to-day but you're, you're kind of these days seeing each other via social media yeah
1: and you see what they're up to yeah. and things like yeah you feel like you you see them regularly yeah that's i was really surprised when he said earlier i've not seen you for like two years i was like i see you all the time <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh no it's just on socials yeah. yeah
0: and i think that's the nice we've got to be careful about giving social media a bad name because as a musical artist like we can now make a full living being an independent artist the business has changed it's no longer the case that you have to have a record label, you have to be under management, all these kind of, you're the perfect example. You can do what you want and you can live this free life. And a lot of that is credit to to social media and online distribution. So I think, um, yeah, we've got to give it its credit as well. Yeah,
1: I think you're right. And I think it, it, yeah, it's a way for people to connect and and, uh, not just with like people that you, genuinely know but people discovering my music i feel like a lot of them feel like they know me as well and and that's a good thing and it can be a bad thing there's definitely like a parasocial relationship that that is you have to be careful of that you know people don't really know you and they're only seeing a snippet but actually it's i think people are get to see more of the artists that they love and and understand them and and see what they're what they're really about Mm -hmm. and if they actually really want to is there anything
0: else you'd like to add to our, our lovely conversation today i think we've covered quite a lot i mean you, you've really kind of made this living and career from mm. something that a lot of people don't consider to be possible. And I think that's an inspiration in itself mm. that not just for people to say, OK, come and be a busker. But these days with social media and online distribution in any industry, you can kind of do it. You, you can yeah. make a living. You don't need something anymore. You don't need someone. No to get your foot in the door you can do it by yourself and I think that is inspiring to a lot of people mm, and also so, yeah over all different industries regardless of the music industry there is now less and less gatekeepers the kind of gatekeepers are having less and less control
1: mm. and
0: you can kind of start you look at these like 17 18 year olds that are literally running businesses yeah online and making an insane amount of money we live in a generation where that's possible, and we live in a generation where you can do it. Anyone sitting there right now can do it. Whatever their inspiration is and their dream is, it's it's fully possible. And there's no longer this kind of like age system of oh, you've got to be forty till you're promoted to this level, and mm. then you can have this role and uh, yeah, you get mm. a bonus. It doesn't work that way anymore. And mm. there's a, there's it's
1: all a- about the hustle. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. You make your own connections. Yeah. They say that we're only like. There used to be four people apart from anyone in the world. And they say that's now down to like two or three because of social media.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think there's, yeah, there's so much more opportunity for people, as you say, like to create their own, um, opportunities with, uh, through social media, which just wasn't available in the past. So it's an exciting time.
0: The conversation that I have a lot is people talking about the record label, or the record industry type thing. And it certainly used to be the case that if you wanted to be a full time musician, mm. you, the likelihood is if you want to be doing okay, you want to be doing well, you've got to be under a label, you've got to be releasing the album, doing the tour, that kind of cycle. The game is just totally changed. Yeah. I don't think people, especially if you're not in the industry, I don't think they realize that as an independent artist now, you can be doing pretty well just on your own. Yeah. And, and, and I think you're great testament to that thank and you yeah even more so the fact that it stemmed from the basket i just think it's amazing
1: thank you so yeah. much yeah i, I feel really I, I there's a lot of luck i think and and then a bit of hard work i think that that's the combination for me <laughs> and uh i yeah i think yeah i've just taken the opportunities that have come my way and really run with them and just try to continue doing what i'm doing and, and put the time in and uh and just love what i do that's that's the main thing that i try and do
0: <laughs> <laughs> any closing words from Charlotte Campbell where can we find you What? what
1: are you oh at? yeah I'm on all all the social media see um, Campbell Music on Instagram TikTok YouTube uh, Facebook Twitter everything and uh, yeah I've got lots of music on Spotify my original music and my covers also iTunes Amazon Music all those places uh, yeah and I try to reply to all my comments and all my messages if I can so uh, do say hi and uh, I really appreciate all of the support
0: Thank you very much. Thank for coming you. On.
1: Thanks for having me.